Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, and I just learned this morning that you were going through the Sermon on the Mount in your Sunday evening service, so I pray this is a helpful uh, addition to that. Um, but this morning, I wanted to um, look at this passage with you as our, our series um, this the, over these four weeks is really on the theme of evangelism, the theme of reaching the lost and seeing God's kingdom come. And um, so I wanted to speak on this passage because it will help set um, the mission of evangelism in, in context. So, but before we begin looking at these verses, let me pray and ask for God's blessing on the preaching of his word. Lord our God, we do worship you this morning, and we praise you as king uh, over all things. Lord, we thank you for your word, which speaks to us. We thank you for its power through your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the glories of you, the glories of your kingdom. We thank you for its power to convict our hearts. We thank you for its power to sanctify us, to purify us, to make us new. But we know, Lord, that your word accomplishes that only as Christ is at work in us through his Holy Spirit. And so we ask for um, the, the blessing of your spirit. I ask for your empowering on me as I preach this word, that you would give me clarity and boldness, and that you would give your people ears to hear your word this morning, and hearts to receive it, that this word might be fulfilled in us through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Now this is, I'm sure, a familiar passage to um, most people here. And we've heard bits of these uh, in Sunday school songs, seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, you know, we hear, don't be anxious. Um, but why do we need this passage? This passage is needful for God's people. It's need for, needful for you and me. It's needful for you today because in our quest for security, in our quest for physical um, health, material provision, there is a great danger that our hearts are led away from seeking that which God has called us to seek. Our hearts are turned away from seeking that in which our life truly consists. So, as I said earlier this uh, this morning in, in the preface, um, I want to, to, to preach this passage to you this morning, bring this passage to you to set into context um, what I'm speaking about over these four weeks, and that is that God has called you and I to seek his kingdom. He's called us into a mission of making disciples of all the nations so that his name would be hallowed here on earth as it is in heaven. So that his kingdom would come here in New Jersey as it is in heaven. His will would be done in our lives, in the lives of our families, our neighbors, in the lives of all people. Until the, the knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is the mission that Jesus has given us, his church. That's the mission that Jesus has given you as his disciples. But as he's called us into that mission, there's a great danger. But we can lose our priorities. We can lose that mission because our, our, our minds and our hearts are consumed with anxiety over our material provision and our physical well-being. And that's why Jesus begins this. That's why Jesus speaks these words to his disciples. Now, as we walk through this, we're going to look at this in three um, basic points here. First, we're going to see, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. Number two, we're going to see that God abundantly provides. And thirdly, we're going to see that God's kingdom is paramount. So first, don't worry about your life. Jesus begins here, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, when he says, uh, don't be anxious about your life, he has in particular, uh, here, what does he mean? He's not speaking don't, about your soul. Don't be anxious or don't, don't worry about your, uh, your, your, your soul. Because he speaks, right, in other places. Right? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What is it, right? Whoever would seek, uh, whoever will lose his life for my sake, 
uh, will keep it. There, there's a, there is a, an, an exhortation, in other words, to seek life, our life. But when Jesus says here, uh, do not be anxious about your life, he's talking about your material being, your material well-being. Do not be anxious about your life. Right? And look what he says, what you will eat or what you will drink. By your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Clothing and food are gifts from God, but um, they are of no benefit to our spiritual life. They're good for our outer man, the physical body. And what Jesus says is, don't be anxious about these things. Now, again, why does Jesus say not to be anxious? What, what's because he's not here um, speaking simply about the, the dynamic of, of worry. We see in the scriptures in Philippians, right? Be anxious for nothing. But here Jesus is specifically speaking about the worry over your physical well-being. And material provision. Um, why? Because that worry will draw your heart away from what he's called you to set your heart on. And I want you to notice this begins with the word therefore. Okay? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Now, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, if you look back at the preceding verses, Jesus is talking about. Um, where your heart is, where you're storing up your treasure, what, where are you investing your life? He says, don't invest your life into things that are going to pass away and perish, but invest your life in the things that are going to last into eternity. And then he says, no one can serve two masters because he's going to be devoted to the one and despise the other or vice versa. And he says, you cannot serve God and money. So don't set your heart on money. But here's the question. Why do people so often set their hearts on money or become consumed with money? It's not because most people value money in and of itself, but it's because of what money can provide. It's not that I want to just simply be wealthy, but I want to make sure I have money so that, right, if things if things kind of fall apart, if I lose my job, I'll have security. And so Jesus says, um, "Don't be anxious about the future. Am I going to have enough money right, when I get old? If something happens to me, if if I." Um, if uh, some health crisis comes, am I going to have enough money to take care of it? Um, am I going to have enough money to buy that house in 10 years? He said, don't worry about, uh, don't worry about the future. Now, let me ask you a question. As you look, as you consider your life, as you consider your weeks, you consider your days, what does your mind, uh, what does your mind dwell on? 
and it's something to consider. You know, we have phone apps now which uh, tell you, you know, where you're spending your time on, on, on the screen, where you're going, you can, you can track. And uh, sometimes it's helpful to, to look at your phone and realize, wow, I didn't realize how much of my time gets spent on social media, how much of my time gets spent on scrolling through news feeds. How much of my time gets spent watching YouTube? How much of your time is spent on thinking about my provision? What am I going to have in 10 years? What am I going to have in 15 years? Is my health going to be secure? How much of my time is, is, is revolves around, well, what does my... Uh, what does my outer man look like? What does my clothing look like? How nice right, is my house? How in style are my clothes? Now, what is my appearance? Like, how well am I clothed? And Jesus says, don't let your mind revolve on those things. Don't be anxious about the future, your material well-being. Because your heart and anxiety will begin to turn from seeking me as your treasure, seeking the kingdom of God as your mission, seeking the lost as your mission healed. Now, what is the antidote to this worry? And the anxiety. And Jesus says, looking at the character and the provision of God, which brings us to our second point. God abundantly provides. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, how many of you have ever seen a worm warehouse? How many of you see the robins coming out in the springtime? What do they do? They don't worry themselves on providing for the future, but they go out every day. They pluck around and they pick out that worm and they take it. And it's amazing. Every day, the worm is there. And every day, right, they provide for uh, their, their nests. And why? Because God provides for them. You know, do, do you realize that when birds go out and they pluck the berries from the leaves of trees, they go out and they pluck and they find worms lying in your yard, the surface of your yard. This is not an this is not impersonal, an impersonal universe just kind of randomly by chance working these things out. But the personal God, creator, is providing for each of those birds, each of those lives. And so Jesus says, look at how God provides. Are you created in his image of not, not more valuable to him than even the little birds? And yet he provides daily. And so God will provide for you all that you need daily. 
But he not only provides what you need for life, but he provides in a gloriously abundant way. He said, Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Right? They don't build uh, machine shops going around looking for the finest, uh, the finest linens um, to clothe themselves, anxious about how they appear to their neighbors. But God just sends the rain every day, and he sends the sun, and he causes them. Right, The spear renews the face of the ground, as the psalm says, and these flowers, crocuses, spring up in beautiful color, and daisies, and tulips, and roses. Right? And God clothes them and makes them uh, beautiful and splendor. And yet he says, are you not of much more value to him than those? Don't be anxious about what you're going to look like. And is that provision that God's going to give, is that provision going to be meager? Is God stingy? No. God provides in glorious abundance. And so Jesus says, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Do you believe that God is a provider? Do you believe that God will provide all that you need as you seek him and his kingdom first? George Mueller, some of you may know, was a famous uh, was a pastor in England in the 19th century. And uh, some of you may know that he started an orphanage in uh, Bristol, the Bristol, uh, uh, England area. And for over 50 years, ran an orphanage which cared for about 10,000 orphans. Um, many of them came to faith through, uh, through, through this ministry. But uh, you might not know um, the impetus for George Mueller starting this ministry. Um, he had a heart for the orphans, uh, which were plentiful in, in London at the time in England. But as a pastor, he kept, he kept finding uh, that many of the men in his church did not come to church. Many of the men in his church, uh, and many of his uh, many of the men in his parish, did not uh, were not in the home leading their, their families in worship. Many of the men were not involved in the prayer life of the church. And as he would talk to the men, um, the reason was consistent. I said, "Well." I've got to work 70 hours a week. And if I don't work 70 hours a week, my family will not be provided for. And George Mueller thought about the words of Jesus. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you need will be provided. And so to demonstrate to his congregants that God's word is faithful. George Mueller said, if, if God is true, can we not depend on his word? He started this orphanage. And throughout the life of, of this, this orphanage, uh, they never advertised their financial needs. Not once. But they simply prayed daily, Lord, provide what we need. And I encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to read through his autobiography or a shortened version, Answers to Prayers. And it's a catalog 
of and testimonies of God's provision. A milk truck would break down just outside and they would be up praying, Lord, we, we need food for today. We've, we've, we've exhausted the supplies in the kitchen. How are we going to the Lord provide? And they would knock on the door and a, um, a milkman came in and said, our truck broke down, our cart broke down and the, the milk is going to spoil. Can you use this? Or <clears throat> a letter from an, an old woman. They were and needed to, the, the bill was due uh, at the end of the day and they said Lord we need provide provide and a letter came in the mail later that day for the exact amount they needed from a woman who had sent it days earlier saying Mr. Mueller God put my heart to send you this money God provides for his children and look at the word that Jesus used here he says but you're um Look at how your heavenly Father provides, and yet your heavenly Father feeds the birds. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. He doesn't just say, God knows what you need, but he says your heavenly Father, because God is a Father to his children. And what do fathers do? They provide, and they protect. Right? And that's their, their heart as a father, you want to see your children clothed. You want to see them clothed well. As a father, you want to provide for your children. You want to see them fed. You want to see them fed well. So your heavenly father knows what you need. And he will provide. So don't be anxious about your life. And how can you turn away from anxiety? What's the antidote? Looking at God and seeing the abundant provision of God for his creation. And knowing that God is your father and you, as his children, are utmost value to him. He will provide what you need. <clears throat> but lastly, Jesus here says to his disciples, don't worry about your life or what you're going to eat and wear. Don't worry about your material well-being. Don't obsess over the future and these things because God abundantly provides but rather remember that God, God's kingdom, is paramount. Look at verse uh, 32. The Gentiles seek after all these things, material things, and your heavenly Father, yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's Jesus' call to you this morning. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus is not speaking chronologically here. Sometimes we, we think of this in a chronological way. Jesus is not saying, well, just you know, say the prayer, make a profession of faith so you're in the kingdom, you're, you're going to heaven when you die, and now once you get that taken care of, now you spend the rest of your life worrying about these material things. No. When Jesus says seek first, seek, he's talking in terms of priority. Seek as the priority of your life, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, we need a few definitions here. 
We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is the rulership of God. It's the rule of God. And God's rule comes among people, among human beings, among men, when they come into devotion, devoted submission to his kingship and his rulership. So it is to live. To be in the kingdom of God is to live under the rule and reign of God. To live under Christ as king. So when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying, number one, right? Your number one priority is to live under God as ruler. God, you are my God. You are my king. You are the one who speaks and I listen. You are the one to whom I give my absolute and total devotion. My heart belongs to you. That's God's to live in God's kingdom. You now, what is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is the way of God. The way of God to live according to the character of God. Is to seek first the kingdom of God, or to seek first his righteousness is to seek right, his character, his way, his law. What does it look like to prioritize um, the righteousness of God? Well, you see it in the heart of David in Psalm 19 when he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. And your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. It is to love the glory of God because you love God and you love his glory. You love his character. And so you want a character to be in your own life. God as king has created us to image his character, to reflect his holiness and his righteousness. And so Jesus says that is to be what you are after. As a, as a citizen of his kingdom, is to seek his ways, to reflect his character. So seeking first is prioritizing the kingdom of God, the rulership of God, living right under uh, the reign of God as king and his righteousness, his ways, his character, walking in his uh, His holy law, or as Isaiah puts it, the highway of holiness. Now, 
when that becomes right, your heart, the priority of your life, then the gospel comes into sharp focus. Because how can you or I live under the rule of God? By nature, we're rebels. By nature, our flesh seeks our own desires, our own will. By nature, we we follow after the course of the prince of the power of the air. And there's something in us that resists, right? By nature, we resist the rule of God. Right? That's what Romans, Paul says in Romans 7, right? Uh, Romans 8, right? Uh, the, 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 um, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. At the, at the core of sin, we said last week, is rebellion against God. No, God, I will not submit to you. But I will determine what's good. I will determine what's right. So how can then, can we enter into God's kingdom and live gloriously under his rule in devotion, worship, and glorious submission? Well, it's only through the work of Christ. It's only through a heart transplant. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And where does that come from? God made a promise. I'll take the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. And then he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, born of a virgin, the one man with a truly pure heart, who came and said, Oh, I delight to do your will. I have come to do your will, Father. And not mine, but yours. And he's the one man who lived in perfect submission, glorious submission to the Father. And then he went to the cross and took sin on himself and put to death our old rebellious self-flesh and crucified the flesh on the cross and came out of the grave three days later with new life for sinners like you and me. And so through Jesus, through embrace faith in Jesus, embracing him, we are brought out of darkness and into his kingdom, marvelous kingdom of light. It's through the power of Jesus that we can live through Jesus in us. But how can we, secondly, how can we walk in the righteousness of God? Jesus says, seek first his righteousness. Well, as you read through God's word and you see what holiness looks like. You see the beautiful, glorious character of God. His holy justice, his holy love, his faithfulness, his truthfulness, his provision. You see the purity of God. You realize that in yourself, you have no power to walk in that way. But with a new heart, you want to. Well, I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in holiness. But I have no power to do that. And once again, you look 
and you see a Savior, the provision of God, Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me. Right? If you're hungry and thirsty, you're blessed with those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled because I have come to fill those who are hungry. And Jesus gives his Holy Spirit to those who come to him in their poverty and emptiness. And as Paul say in Galatians 20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So it's only through Jesus in us that we can walk in that beautiful holiness. And when we see that we fall short, again we look to Jesus and we see the blood of Jesus which washes us clean and gives us peace. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So seeking first is, is, a, um, is an issue of priority. Make this the priority of your life. This is what your life is to be about, to be consumed with. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his rulership, and his ways. But notice Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Look again at verse 32. Don't be, don't be anxious about these things, what you're, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about your material well-being. Don't let yourself become consumed. For the Gentiles, verse 32, seek after all these things. Yet your heavenly Father, right, he knows that you need them all. They seek after these things. Now, what does it mean to seek? To seek is to pursue. And pursue with zeal, with purpose, with perseverance. And Jesus says, right, everybody's seeking something. Everybody's pursuing something. The moment you stop pursuing, you would stop moving and acting. You would die. Remember that? You remember the question that uh, Jesus asks uh, Philip. Philip first comes in. What are you seeking? What do you seek? And Jesus says here, when you look at the world, you see people seeking after these material things. And their lives are consumed with those things. The time, the energy, the devotion to making sure I have enough, to making sure I'm secure, to making sure I look good on the outside. When I was teaching, I would ask my students often, middle school and high school students, you spend 40 hours a week going to school, and then you add another 10, toiling over homework, for 15, 20 years of your life. Why do you do this? And I said, well, because I want to get good grades. Well, why do you want to get good grades? Because I want to get into a good, good college. Why do you want to get into a good college? Because I want to get a good job. Why do you want a good job? Because I want to make sure I'm making enough money so I can have a good house and I can be secure. Listen to the conversations and the anxieties of the world. You do not know 
the glories of relationship with God, who do not see the, the glory of the kingdom of God, salvation in Christ, and how much of their thoughts and talk okay, are wrapped around anxiety over provision. And Jesus says, no, you're not to be like the world. You're my disciple. I want you to seek first as your priority the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not only for yourself, but it's for the rest of the world. Because when God brings you out of darkness and into his light and you live under the glorious rulership of God, then you want to see all people living in worshipful submission to him. That becomes the, the, the cry of your heart. And when you see the um, just the glories of, of true, the true righteousness that comes from above, you want to see all people living in that righteousness, in that holiness. And this is what Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, let your name be hallowed here on earth as it is in heaven. Let people set you apart as God alone, worthy of absolute and total worship, devotion, adoration, obedience, and praise. And Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, regenerate people. Lord, cause them to be born again. And Lord, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let people live and walk in your ways. So that what Isaiah prophesied in, in uh or what Isaiah speaks in, in Isaiah chapter 2 would come to fruition. Right. Right. Come, let us go up to the house of the Lord that we may learn his ways. Oh, Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And you see the darkness. You see fighting, warfare, divorce. You see selfishness. You see oppression. You see um, greed. You see sexual perversion. You see all these things and you say, and your heart becomes, no, Lord, let people walk in your ways. Let people come into your kingdom. And that's what Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And then he says to the disciples, okay, you seek first the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, and his righteousness, your will be done. And then after he produces the power to cause souls to be born again, he produced through his cross and his resurrection. He produces the power of sanctification through his life, sending forth his Holy Spirit. Then he gives the, uh, the church a mission. He says, okay, now you are going to be my instruments. You go, make disciples, baptizing them, right? That's the sign of entrance into the kingdom. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus says, that is to be the, the center of your life. Now, is we conclude, is, is Jesus saying, don't plan for the future? 
Don't save up for tomorrow. Don't put money in investments. No. But Jesus is saying, um, let the priority of your life, of your decisions, be my kingdom, my righteousness, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let that be what drives your decisions. So when you're investing for the future, ask yourself, to what end? Invest your money to make disciples. Teach them to observe. Go to school. Get a college education to make disciples. To teach them to observe. Get married. To make disciples and to teach them to observe. So that God's kingdom might come. His righteousness might be on display through the power of Christ. And so, as you go through this week and through the coming months, as a disciple of Jesus here at Emmanuel Medford, um, take stock of your heart, of your time, of your, your resources. What are you seeking in your life? What's the priority? And how many people say, well, I can't afford to help out at BBS. I can't afford to be at the fair meetings because of my job. And I can't, I can't possibly ask for less hours. How am I going to provide? No. Look, don't be anxious about the future. Look at the glorious provision of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So don't be anxious about your material well-being. Don't worry about the future. But look to God who provides for his children as a rich father. The world seeks first, is seeking these things. But you, as disciples of Jesus, are to seek first as a priority his kingdom and his righteousness. And whatever you need, God will provide in glorious abundance. Amen. Lord, we thank you for these words and we acknowledge that you indeed are the glorious King of kings, the Lord of lords. And Lord, I ask that you would take these words and that you would cause them by your Holy Spirit to sanctify us and to transform us, to turn, uh, Lord, our priorities to seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom to see where our priorities are out of line with your kingdom. Uh, and that you would give us grace to turn our thoughts, to focus our time, our resources, our energies into living under you, into walking and growing in in holiness and to seeing your kingdom come and your will be done here Lord because there's nothing more glorious than for you to be worshipped to be praised to be adored 
to be obeyed, to be loved as God overall. And so give us this grace, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.